And on that, thank you all for coming. <laughs> uh, well, welcome tonight. Uh, I'm excited to be up here, and uh, just like every time that uh, I've, the couple times I've done this before, um, it's kind of neat to see where you start with a message that you wanted to plan, and kind of where you end up, and how it just uh, morphs throughout the whole process and studying it out, and things that are kind of revealed. Um, so this morning, if you were here, uh, John mentioned that uh, Pastor gave us the keys to the car. Uh, I tend to like to go full throttle with things. So, um, so he took it back, no dents. If you can throw that first slide up. Um, we got this going on now. So, uh, so we were talk- I was talking to John about this this morning. I was like, I'm going to put up student driver. And uh, just as a joke, you know, to play on, on, continue on the analogy. But as I got to thinking about it, uh, we should all continue to be students throughout our entire life, right? Because we never know this Bible all the way through, and we've never made it, and we've never arrived. Uh, and this, the second that you think that you have it mastered, you stop trying to get better, right? And I know that from the flying world, uh, the common saying through uh, training whenever you're going through a new, learning a new aircraft is, uh, you know, learn it now because this is the best you're ever going to know it. And that's because you get out after training, and you're like, okay, I've got it. And you hardly ever go back to those books that you were studying in the beginning, right? Because now I just, I'm flying it, and I know how to do this. I've got this. So keep that mindset. You're always a student, always wanting to go through this Bible and learn more and grow. So, all right. Um, and it's funny, too. Uh, I had no intention of relating this to Memorial Day at all. Uh, but just sitting up here, it seemed like the more we were talking about memorial and more I was thinking about it, the more it's, honestly, it's kind of entwined throughout this message. Um, So if you notice, uh, we had two verses today, a little bit different. Um, There was uh, one common theme and then two opposites in those verses. The one common theme is it was the Holy Spirit, two jobs of the Holy Spirit. The opposite, one is, says he's a comforter in John 14, 16. Then you go to John 16, 8, and he will reprove the world of sin. So he comforts and he convicts, right? And these are both jobs of the Holy Spirit, and we need both. Um, So uh, mandates that you know, and and it says that if you are um, reproved of the Holy Spirit, then you have assurance that he's with you. And so I personally love conviction. Um, I don't want to go to a church that just makes me feel good. I want to go to a church that... Uh, improves my walk and helps me to grow, right? And I feel like a lot of churches nowadays, they're more interested in making you feel good so you return and rather than helping you grow uh, in your walk with Christ. So, um, but I love conviction. I love coming to church and I hope that I just get stabbed in the heart because it means that there's something that I need to change or I need to do better um, or that I need to do that I'm not doing. And so I look forward to that, and that's one thing I love about pastors. He's willing to unapologetically preach what is directly in the Bible, regardless if it steps on people's toes uh, or if it offends someone. Now, he is not out to offend anybody, but conviction is different than offense, right? Um, and we should all want that conviction, um, though not all of us do. Uh, it says um, in John 3.20... It says, For everyone that doeth evil hateth the light, neither cometh to the light, lest his deeds should be reproved. Right? So what does that mean? It means people don't like that, that conviction. Some people don't. Um, they don't like it because it sheds light on an area that 
they maybe aren't doing as well as they should be. Uh, but it's necessary because if you don't know that that dark corner is there, it can never get cleaned up. So uh, that conviction is necessary. We have to have that. So I love conviction. I love going through whether I'm uh, ignorant or uh, knowledgeable of, you know, or willingly or unwillingly or unknowingly uh, sinning in a certain way or area or just kind of veering a little bit off. Uh, that conviction is what helps you get back. So I love that conviction. Uh, but whenever I was preparing this message, I, I kind of was thinking, you know, I'd, I'd really like to give more of an encouragement um, message and, uh, because we also need encouragement. The Holy Spirit is a comforter as well, right? So that's kind of what I set out to do is um, try, to, try to really hone in on more the encouragement side. Um, problem is, uh, as I started doing that, it seemed like every uh, story that I would go through and um, kind of looking for encouragement in those different stories, I would see that thread of encour- in encouragement, but then I would also see the thread of conviction. And so throughout this whole kind of studying this out, like I said, it started out, I'd really like to give kind of a message of encouragement and, and kind of work that, um, that topic. As I go through, I'm, all I'm seeing is encouragement, conviction, encouragement, conviction, encouragement, conviction. And what, what I'm really finding is that they're two sides of the same coin. Um, they're they're uh, both used, and they're, they both really need to be used together. If you're too far weighted one or the other, uh, you can get out of balance, and it can cause problems if it's just one or the other. So you're, to be in balance, you need both the conviction and the encouragement. So um, I've titled this message today, The Coin, Two Sides of the Same Coin. All right, let's pray. Dear God, thank you for uh, giving me the opportunity to speak up here. Uh, my words have uh, no bearing and no effect without you in it. I pray that you're here and that you can be uh, the median that, that goes from me to uh, anyone hearing this message. Uh, I pray that your words are spoken and that, um, that I don't stand in the way, that I don't get in the way. And uh, I thank you so much for all the blessings and all you do. Um, I pray for your encouragement and, uh, and conviction throughout our lives. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Um, so uh, what's our main mandate from God? It's the Great Commission, right? That's what he left us with. Uh, go and make disciples of all nations. What does he also tell us? He tells us that there's going to be resistance. So we already know going into this battle, this uh, Great Commission, that there's going to be resistance throughout. Um, In Luke 10, verse 10 to 11, it says, But into whatsoever city ye enter, and they receive you not, go your ways out into the streets of the same, and say, Even the very dust of your city which cleaveth on us, we do wipe off against you. Notwithstanding, be ye sure of this, that the kingdom of God is come nigh unto you. So he's already telling us, when you go into a city and they receive you not, not if they receive you not, there will be those who do not receive the word, reject the word, and, and actively fight against the word. But he says, uh, wipe off the dust of the city, continue on, but give them one last warning. It doesn't matter whether you reject or accept, the kingdom of God is coming. And that's the ultimate um, uh, outcome. So even though we are to make disciples, we will run into problems we are still to speak the truth. That's, that doesn't relieve us from our duty, right? So, but there's kind of three things that stood out to me, and there's many more, but these are kind of the three big ones that stood out to me for reasons that 
uh, may hinder us from uh, making disciples and presenting the gospel, talking about our faith, and potentially living our faith, depending on circumstances. Um, the first one is, and we're going to talk these three, and then with each one, uh, I've kind of pulled out a story or a, an account um, that kind of shows you both sides of the coin of that, uh, that there. So the first one, uh, rejection. So we got rejection, reluctance, and fear are the three hindrances, um, three that, that I'm, I'll be speaking about today. So rejection, Paul. Um, this is all Acts 17. So just as an, as an overview, uh, Acts 17, Paul now, uh, he has been beaten, imprisoned, finally got released, and then he made his way to Thessalonica. His first, jo- his first um, action that he did when he got to Thessalonica is for three Sundays, he went and he spoke in the synagogue, and he preached Jesus in the, in the synagogue. As you can imagine, people didn't like that. The Jewish leaders didn't like that he was speaking something different from their uh, commonly held beliefs at that time. Um, so he, uh, those religious leaders gathered some tough men, some big men, to go round him up and take him to uh, the leaders and get him imprisoned again. Uh, the, the believers with him helped him escape. He goes out to uh, Berea with Silas, and so now he's been imprisoned, beaten, released, ran out of a city, goes to Berea, and he's done all this because he wasn't, or because he was preaching Jesus, right? Now he goes to Berea, and his first order of business is go to the synagogue and start preaching Jesus, and it's pretty awesome. And um, I love the people in Berea here in Acts seventeen eleven. Um, it says of the, these people, it says. These were more noble than those in Thessalonica, in that they received the word with all readiness of mind and searched the scriptures daily, whether those things were so. That's one of my favorite things, because they were open to hearing Paul, but they were also healthy, health, healthily skeptical. Uh, they listened to what he said, and they, you can, it's like you can feel it from just this verse that they felt like it was right. But I'm going to still check you. I'm going to go fact check. I'm going to go back to the Bible tonight, and I'm going to read what you said. I'm going to see if that actually holds water. And they did. And I just think that's awesome because what was their basis of belief? It was the Bible. It's not what a man said. It was the Bible and checked against the Bible. So um, I just think that's so cool. But uh, sure enough, the people from the bad guys from Thessalonica, they see uh, or they hear that Paul and Silas are now preaching in Berea. So they head over to Berea to go round him up again. Uh, the believers help him escape, and he goes then to Athens. And then at Athens, he, gives the, um, he proclaims Jesus on Mars Hill. So this is kind of my overview of encouragement. Does that seem pretty encouraging, right? <laughs> uh, just go preach the word of Jesus, and you, can, you too can get beaten, imprisoned, released, <laughs> run out of three cities, or two cities, and then made fun of at Mars Hill in Athens, right? So um, where is the encouragement of that? If we back up just a little bit, let's go back to Thessalonica, and uh, in Acts 17, it, it talks about, uh, he goes to the synagogue in Thessalonica to reason with them for three Sundays, and uh, many of them, or some believed, so some believed there at Thessalonica. Then it says in Berea that uh, many believed um, when he came uh, to Berea. And then he goes to Mars Hill, and in Acts, let's go to Acts seventeen thirty-two through 34. Acts 17, 
32 through 34. So this is, uh, this is Paul after he's t- preaching Jesus in, at uh, Mars Hill in Athens. He says, And when they heard of the resurrection of the dead, some mocked, and others said, We will hear thee again of this matter. So some people are a little, eh, wouldn't mind hearing more, but some outright just immediate to rejection. Then verse 33, it says, So Paul departed from among them. Howbeit certain men clave unto him and believed, among the which was Dionysus, the Areopagite, and a woman named Damaris, and others with them. So again, we see that, uh, that some believed in Thessalonica, many believed in Berea, and uh, some believed and clave to him from uh, Athens. So the encouragement here is that through all this persecution, at every stop of the way, God is giving fruit and people are getting saved all the way. So people's eternity is changed by his temporal suffering. So uh, that's the encouragement is uh, God, God promises that his word will not return void. And uh, there will be fruit if we are doing his will that he's given us to do. So uh, there's encouragement there. If we go, um, let's see. So uh, there in Athens, he proclaimed, some mocked, others were intrigued and claved to him like we talked about. Um, he's mocked. And, uh, but here in Acts seventeen sixteen, if you go back just a little bit, this one, uh, more on the conviction side. So this one convicts me, honestly. Um, and, and that's where a lot of this message come, came from, is it's a lot of conviction that I feel and that I hope that is helpful, helpful for you all as well. Um, but Acts seventeen sixteen. It says, uh, this is before he's gone to Mars Hill. He's just left Berea, made it to Athens. It says, now while Paul waited for them at Athens, his spirit was stirred in him when he saw the city wholly given to idolatry. that sound familiar at all? A, ci- a city wholly given to idolatry. Do we see idolatry in this country right now? People are worshiping uh, politicians and uh, putting their faith in politicians for saving this country, not God. And... Uh, hoping that they can pull us out. Um, and we've got, uh, they're wholly given to idolatry, given to the spirit of the age. We've got Target right now with their clothing line that they've given. They've, uh, they're, why would you make children's clothes with that type of uh, agenda, right? Um, there's no reason for that. We've got uh, the recent vaccine, Pfizer's own documents have come out, and there's many things throughout that that show health consequences that Pfizer knew before releasing. Um, there's nothing short of child mutilation. I heard about a um, uh, hospital about last week talking about that they have given double mastectomies to women, well, girls as young as 12 years old. Tell me how a 12-year-old can make that life-altering decision, right? Um, We've got uh, kind of a, with the Target thing, the uh, company that Target is paired with, they are outright proclaiming Satanism. How, I mean, what is, what is happening? And there's so many things right now in our world, in our country, that, uh, you know, it used to be you might disagree with something and you can explain why you disagree. Now I find myself sometimes where I just can't even, I can't even put into words just the feeling that I have because it's, it's, I wonder if I'm crazy sometimes that I'm missing something that, because none of it makes sense. Um, 
so how did we get here? Christianity is not a passive religion, right? We're, we're called to stand for truth, stand for evil, and proclaim the one true God, Jesus Christ. Uh, it's been so long that we are to um, uh, just accept everybody and uh, don't call anyone out because that will make them feel bad. And, uh, you know, just, just be nice. That's all it is, is just be nice. How many, uh, I mean, Jesus never called anyone out, right? Yeah, exactly. He never overturned uh, tables in the sanctuary. He never uh, called a woman out that he had never met before for adultery. How many, uh, my husband, I don't have a husband. Oh, you sure about that? I think you got about five, right? So um, if we're to, if Jesus is our example, we need to step up our game because we're not here to just be nice and 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 quiet and just let people let by you know let people be we're here to stand for truth and proclaim God's word and by us being nice and standing back and not willing to call out sin or do anything out else while that might help us uh, be comfortable it doesn't help that person's soul that that may lose out on an eternal life um, so we are, uh, we are just as much to blame for all of these things as all the craziness that's going on in the world. Um, and some of this is, is blunt, and, uh, and I feel like it needs to be because I feel like we have been so laid back and reserved. And uh, it, the reason I brought out this with Paul is he is proclaiming Jesus, calling out sin, in, in spite of the fact that he's been whipped, imprisoned, released, run out of city after city, I can imagine if I was in his situation, I might think, maybe I'm not doing the right thing. Like, this, if I'm, all of these things are happening, maybe, maybe I'm in the wrong, maybe I'm saying something wrong, doing it wrong, but that's not what this is, that's not what this is trying to say. People are getting saved by him going through this and enduring this. And God says right in the get-go that it's not going to be an easy life of uh, just all sugar and spice, right, as a Christian. So um, so that's kind of uh, rejection, kind of a fear of rejection that uh, can hinder you getting out, speaking the gospel and, and spreading the word. Uh, the second, reluctance. Um, so here we'll talk about Jeremiah and go through that a little bit. So in... Uh, Jeremiah, uh, he, in verse 1, uh, Jeremiah 1, chapter 1, verse 10, it says, See, I have this day set thee over the nations and over the kingdoms to root out and to pull down and to destroy and to throw down, to build and to plant. And Jeremiah, throughout his book, the main theme is he's calling out idolatry and leaders. It's, uh, it is rampant throughout the Bible, idolatry. It's Israel goes to idolatry, comes back, goes to idolatry, comes back. Uh, throughout Kings and Chronicles, they tear down the high places, except they leave one part, or they just increase the high places. Um, but idolatry and leaders, or failure of leadership, that's kind of the theme through Jeremiah. Um, and it says in Jeremiah 20, verse 9, it says, uh, well, so God gives Jeremiah a... Uh, an edict to, to call out the idolatry and the leaders. And if you notice in Jeremiah 1, verse 10, backing up a little bit, uh, see, I, I have this day set thee over the nations and over the kingdoms, so I've set you above those, uh, to root out 
pull down, destroy, and throw down. Those all sound pretty aggressive. They sound uh, like they're not just getting along, right? Uh, They are all things kind of on the negative connotation, right? Tearing down, breaking down, pulling down. Um, and, but then he ends it with build and plant. So again, like I said, throughout, you see this uh, kind of conviction, pull down kind of the, the, you know, the edict, and then he gives the encouragement, but you're also to build and plant. So um, it, you kind of are seeing both sides just in one verse. And then in Jeremiah 20, verse 9, after God has given, this, uh, given him this assignment, he says, Then I said, I will not make mention of him, nor speak any more in his name. But his word was in my heart as a burning fire shut up in my bones, and I was weary with forbearing, and I could not stay. I think I, this is one of my prayers, is that, uh, that I would be like Jeremiah, because I am also hesitant. Like, I like my life. Their comfort um, is something we all seek, Right? And Jeremiah is no different. Then I said, I will not make mention of him, nor speak any more his name, because everyone is persecuting him. And he's like, I don't want to do this. I want to, you know, like, I just want to back up and just kind of fit in. But then he goes on, but his word was in my heart as a burning fire shut up in my bones. That's what I want. I want, to, I want his word to be so strong and convicting inside me that it comes out and I'm not holding it in. And that I will... I will speak boldly and confidently and go forward and uh and i have uh no regard for my own comfort or um my own standing or anything like that i want to be bold have his fire burning like a fire shut up in my bones uh and i was weary with forbearing and i could not stay i don't want i don't want to be able to stay i want it a flame in there so um how about some encouragement with jeremiah Let's go to Jeremiah 33, 7. Jeremiah 33, 7. All right, so we'll do Jeremiah 33, 7 through 9. It says, And I will cause the captivity of Judah and the captivity of Israel to return, and will build them as at the first. And I will cleanse them from all their iniquity, whereby they have sinned against me. And I will pardon all their iniquities, whereby they have sinned, and whereby they have transgressed against me. And it shall be to me a name of joy, a praise, and an honor before all the nations of the earth, which shall hear all the good that I do unto them. And they shall fear and tremble for all the goodness and for all the prosperity that I procure unto it. That's encouraging. He says right there... uh, you know, this is all going to happen, but in the end, I win, and I'm going to restore Israel, and uh, evil will be judged, righteousness will abound, and uh, I know for me especially, uh, it's sometimes, uh, it's hard to keep that in mind, that with everything going on, Jesus wins in the end, and uh, he's already told us the ending, and it's funny, when you see uh, the ending of a movie, it ruins the movie, right? So then why do we get so focused on what's happening now when we know the ending of this movie? We know what happens at the end. So let's not get down, frustrated, uh, disenchanted. Let's, that should strengthen us. And, uh, and this, this life is short. Eternity is forever. So um, 
I, I have to keep reminding myself of that too because uh, it's easy to get down in things that are happening. And we're never without hope because he's in charge. He's in control. This is all his plan. He's told us what is ha- going to happen and uh, we should expect it and we should do our part. So um, conviction here uh, on the conviction side of the coin for Jeremiah. Uh, so he's calling out sin in Israel, idolatry and leaders. He's going forth and doing it. Um, begging for repentance, proclaiming the coming judgment. Do you think these people are receptive of this this word? Right now, Israel's proud. They don't think anything can happen to them. Uh, but he's begging. He's he's telling them, no, judgment is coming. We need we need to repent, turn from our sins. We can't keep living this way. Um, I thought it was pretty interesting that uh, he proclaims. You know, God gives him His word to proclaim the Babylonian attack to take Israel into captivity, while at the same time proclaiming the downfall of the Babylonians. So he's, our, I mean, he, time and time again, he's saying, I'm in control. This Babylonian uh, exile, this isn't by accident. This is judgment on you. And them that are judging you, they will also be judged by this next uh, uh, country that comes in. So he's saying, this isn't by accident. I'm in control. I'm running the show. This is what's going to happen so that when it happens, you know that this was me doing this. Um, so we got to call out sin when we see it, stand boldly for the truth, uh, and right when com- confronted. Uh, we got to guard ourselves against evil. Uh, our heart is um, des- or deceitful and desperately wicked uh, above all things who can know it, right? That verse, I've, I've said this before up here, but that's a scary verse to me because... Uh, if you're deceived, you don't know that you're deceived because you're deceived, right? And so if our heart is deceptive, our own heart is working against us. It says, who can know it? We can be deceived by our own heart. And that's why we have to guard ourselves. We have to uh, set no unclean thing be- before your eyes and guard what you're taking in and, uh, and keep, keep that uh, cleanliness because it's easy to get polluted and to deceive yourself that something's right that's not right and that's why it's so important to be in church to read your bible for that conviction and the encouragement uh be in church so you can be sharpened by other iron by other believers that uh, may be able to see something that you can't or they've gone through something that you're going through and they can help you get that right um and and then the holy spirit's conviction if that's working on you then that's a way that god is telling you you got to change something or uh, you know, either do or don't do or continue doing uh, something. So you got to guard yourself and take that action to eliminate the sin and repent from that. All right, so, so that's reluctance. Um, fear. Fear is kind of the third one I picked out as um, one of the hindrances to uh, doing God's will. Um, for this one, we'll talk about Ezekiel. And Ezekiel was taken prisoner during uh, Babylon's raid of Israel. Uh, and while he's in a prisoner camp on his 30th birthday, he's sitting by a river, and he's got his own little cake there. And, uh, and then all of a sudden, he sees this vision. Uh, if you've ever heard the song, Ezekiel Saw the Wheel. Um, and it's this great, you know, smoke and an amazing throne with God sitting on the throne, a giant platform held up by wings uh, or uh, angels with foreheads and wings all touching and wheels below. And it's this this awe-inspiring vision that he has that comes to him. 
and uh, and it goes through kind of uh, where this came, where this vision came from, and and everything. Um, and in Ezekiel two six, uh, he says, "And thou, son of man, be not afraid of them, neither be afraid of their words, though briars and thorns be with thee, and though thou and thou dost dwell among scorpions, be not afraid of their words." nor be dismayed at their looks, though they be a rebellious house. So, like I said, fear is one of those things uh, that can hinder us. The first thing God is saying here before he gives them the charge is, Son of man, be not afraid of them. Be not afraid of their words. Uh, then he says again, be not afraid of their words. And then he says, uh, dismayed at their looks, um, they're a rebellious house. So God starts this out with comfort. Um, and encouragement. God is he's comforting Ezekiel. He's calming his fear and unease uh, ahead of what he has for him to do. And he obviously has something tough for him to do. And we'll talk a little bit. It'd be weird to see. Um, so in Ezekiel eleven sixteen through 20, let's take a look at that. All right, um, so uh, Ezekiel eleven sixteen through 20. Oh, I'm in Jeremiah. Should probably be in the right book, huh? Let's see. All right, Ezekiel eleven sixteen through 20. So it says, Therefore say, Thus saith the Lord God, Although I have cast them far off among the heathen, and although I have scattered them among the countries, yet will I be to them as a little sanctuary in the countries where they shall come. Therefore say, Thus saith the Lord God, I will even gather you from the people and assemble you out of the countries where ye have been scattered, and I will give you the land of Israel. And they shall come thither, and they shall take away all the detestable things thereof and all the abominations there from thence. And I will give them one harp, and I will put a new spirit within you, and I will take the stony heart out of their flesh, and will give them a heart of flesh, that they may walk in my statutes and keep mine ordinances and do them, and they shall be my people, and I will be their God. So again, that's an encouragement. He's saying uh, that he, people are going to change. God's going to be there, um, and he's going to put a new spirit in, and, um, and basically that I'm having you do this, but know in the end, this is all going to be better and how it should be. I'm going to put everything like it should be. Um, so I ask you, is, is God a liar? God can't lie, right? He's, uh, he's immutable. He's told us here and many other places throughout the Bible how this ends, uh, what's going to happen. His word's always true, and he's in control. It doesn't matter uh, what else is happening. So we have to take comfort in that and encouragement that it's all in his hands and he's got the big picture. We only see this little tiny part that we have to play in. All right, so that's, that's the encouragement. Let's go to conviction here. Um, the outcome is not what we should be concerned with. So God tells us to do something. We don't, it's not our job to uh, control the outcome of that. You know, um, when we go soul winning or, uh, you know, deliver the gospel to someone, if they don't accept it, that's not because of us. That's not our job to do to force them to accept. 
It's our job to deliver the message. It's the Holy Spirit's job to convict and, and deliver the Spirit, right? So uh, the outcome's not what we should be concerned with. Let's take a look real quick at Ezekiel 3, 7. In Ezekiel 3, 7, it says, But the house of Israel will not hearken unto thee, for they will not hearken unto me. For all the house of Israel are imprudent, or impudent and hard-hearted. Does that sound familiar? Right? God is telling Ezekiel, go do these things. What kind of things is he telling them to do? He's telling him to uh, go into the city, cook your food over cow dung, uh, lay on your side for a long time, then turn on to your other side, cut off your hair, cut up some of your hair, and just do all these weird things, right? Uh, in, in the view of everyone in the city, in the middle of the city there. Um, and he said, oh, by the way, uh, they're not going to listen to you. So go do these things, but they're not going to listen, right? How do you think uh, you would feel if you're told to go do these things, but it's not going to change anything? Right, exactly. That's exactly right. So right now, uh, you know, I... I was in a uh, group conversation, and people were complaining about their schools. And I said, hey, by the way, we've got Conqueror's Christian School here. It's uh, K, you know, preschool through 12, good academic standards, everything. And, uh, and someone started going off uh, on religion because it's a, re- a Christian school. And I was like, man, I recommend a school, and then hatred comes back, you know? That's, that's what it is today. And you have to know that that's coming. Like, that... That's going to be more and more common. And uh, maybe it hasn't been as common because we haven't been as forward with saying it or speaking it or living it. Um, but we got to be more. we got to be more uh, upfront with it. So uh, the outcome is not what matters. What matters is we do what God has given us to do. So we do our part. Um, Here's a scary verse um, kind of emphasizing that. Ezekiel three sixteen through 19. And to me, this is scary. He's talking to Ezekiel, but I have a feeling this isn't limited to Ezekiel. All right, so uh, Ezekiel three sixteen through 19. And this is, uh, it says, uh, And it came to pass at the end of seven days that the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Son of man, I have made thee a watchman unto the house of Israel. Therefore hear the word at my mouth, and give them warning from me. When I say unto the wicked, Thou shalt surely die, and thou givest, them, givest him not warning, nor speakest to warn the wicked from his wicked way, to save his life, the same wicked man shall die in his iniquity, but his blood will I require at thine hand. Isn't that scary? He set, he set up Ezekiel to warn these people of the coming judgment that's coming uh, and God is saying, I've set you as a watchman. If you don't tell them that, and warn them of their ways and tell them, hey, you need to turn or, uh, if I can find it, uh, he shall die in his iniquity, then uh, he will require their blood at his hand, at Ezekiel's hand. That seems pretty serious of us, right? Uh, if we're not warning people of coming judgment, that the Bible, we've already established if God is not a liar, he's already shown judgment will come. And if we're not doing our part that he's told us to do with the Great Commission, how can these people know? 
And, and moreover, we will be responsible for not delivering that message that he's given, right? So uh, to me, that's a, scary, uh, that's a scary concept. All right, so um, let's talk about, so that's the three uh, kind of things. So reluctance, uh, fear, and rejection. Those are the three, three of some hindrances to uh, us proclaiming boldly uh, the word, the gospel, and, uh, and living that life that God has us. So today, um, Paul was mocked, hated, and persecuted. Uh, we see, uh, I just told you, just recommending a school, I'm mocked, right? Um, hated. How many, how many things do we see of hatred uh, with religious principles, right? Whether it's in politics or it's in uh, uh, pop culture or things like that. Uh, you know, Christian nationalism, Right? Uh, and then persecution. There's people persecuted just for being Christian all over the world. I don't think it's that far off and that inconceivable that that will be here soon. Um, so Paul is mocked, hated, and persecuted. Jeremiah calls out sin, idolatry, and, and failure of leadership. Uh, I have seen a failure of leadership in my uh, work and in our country and, and throughout. There's calling out of sin and idolatry uh, He's bold in calling this out, and he knows that, hey, I'm calling this out. Babylon, Babylon is still coming, but I, I am to do my part and call this out. Uh, Ezekiel, hard hearts. We say that everywhere right now. Uh, venomous outbursts from non-believers everywhere, nonstop. And then rebellion. We see rebellion everywhere. Um, I've never seen in my life people uh, so flippantly and outwardly claiming satan and satanism it's like like you see it once and it's kind of like oh that person maybe uh you know talks to someone who's uh believes in satan or something and i i heard that every once in a while kind of here and there now there's people uh you know is it the grammys or whichever one where they're dressed as the devil they've got a devil stage um you've got target developing clothes with um, pro, uh, proclaimed Satanists, like it's like it's growing. It's getting more out there, more up front. And uh, but Ezekiel, he did what he was told to do. He still did that. Um, let's take a look real quick. We're almost at the end. Isaiah one four through nine. All right, Isaiah 1, 4 through 9. It says, Ah, sinful nation, a people laden with iniquity, a seed of evildoers, children that are corruptors. They have forsaken the Lord. They have provoked the Holy One of Israel unto anger. They, have gone, they are gone away backward. Why should you be stricken anymore? You will revolt more and more. The whole head is sick and the whole heart is faint. From the sole of the foot, even unto the head, there is no soundness in it, but wounds and bruises and putrefying sores. They have not been closed, neither bound up, neither mollified with ointment. Your country is desolate, your cities are burned with fire, your land, strangers devour it in your presence, and it is desolate, as overthrown by strangers. And the daughter of Zion is left as a cottage in the vineyard, as a lodge in, the, in a garden of cucumbers, uh, as a besieged city, except 
The Lord of hosts has left unto us a very small remnant. We should have been as Sodom, and we should have gone. Uh, we should have been like unto Gomorrah. So, a couple things here uh, says uh, talking about a sinful nation. It says, "Why should ye be stricken any more? Why should I continue striking you? You will revolt more and more." So he's saying he's striking them to prevent them from revolting, but he's saying it's not working. You're just hard-headed, continuing to revolt. Why should he continue to strike? And, uh, and I asked, with so many strikes that we're getting here uh, nowadays, like, where else do we need to be stricken to motivate us into uh, boldness and um, confidence in proclaiming the gospel, salvation, standing for truth, calling out sin, uh, and idolatry? Uh, we're being struck now. And uh, comfort, comfort is... I pray uh, that we don't see comfort as something to attain. I, honestly, I feel like comfort may be uh, an enemy. Um, and I think that it is such, it's so easy to make an idol of comfort, and it's so easy to uh, desire that over all else. It's an easy trap to fall into, and I pray that we're all uh, aware of that and, uh, and we, we keep that clear. Um, and there's nothing new under the sun, right? Whenever we go through this verse, a lot of it, you can kind of draw parallels to today. But then at the end, except the Lord of hosts has left unto us a very small remnant. And how many statistics do we see of people no longer going to church or going to church less or uh, atheism or growing Satanism? Um, we see it more and more, except God has left a small remnant. We're the remnant. The believers in Jesus are the remnant. And we're small, but that means, that means we need to be all the more bold and all the more uh, confident. And along with that, conviction, comfort, right, is uh, we will be mocked. We won't be accepted. Uh, we'll be hated because of what we do. But we know that going in. And we know that that's what we've got to expect. And we know how the story ends, Right? This, uh, he is in control. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Um, So I pray that we're bold, confident. We don't let uh, rejection, reluctance, and fear stop us from doing the will that God has for us. So uh, as you can see, this message started out as uh, I I was really wanting to just provide comfort, uh, encouragement to everybody. And the more I dug in, the more I saw like, it's, it's the same coin, comfort and conviction, and, uh, and you need both. So, all right, let's pray. Dear God, thank you so much uh, for the opportunity to open your word and study, and um, I pray that your message is given and that, that, I, uh, that I wouldn't stand in the way of that message getting to the hearts that need it and, uh, and getting the message across clearly. Um, I pray that we do not let uh, rejection and fear stop us from uh, uh, proclaiming your word and doing your will and making disciples of all nations. And God, I don't want to make any assumptions, but if anyone's unsure uh, that they are going to heaven and, and that they have any questions or, um, or anything, then I pray that uh, they would come up and, uh, and get that squared away and uh, get through uh, your word, get saved and uh, make that a surety. So, 
God, thank you so much. I pray for our country. Uh, I thank you so much for all those who gave their life sacrificing for our country. But more than all, I, pr- I thank you for giving your life for sacrificing for our, uh, for our lives. So God, uh, we'll have an a invitation real quick. And uh, thank you so much for all you do. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.